Welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. My co-host in the studio today is Doug Wortham. And on today's show, we're going to learn about support our troops' license plates and meet with an expert that can help veterans uh, file claims with the, with the VA. But first, it's time for Generally Speaking, a weekly message from the Adjutant General of the Minnesota National Guard, Major General Sean Mankey. This week marks the anniversary of the 1941 attack on Pearl Harbor. As Americans, we all share a connection to a day President Roosevelt declared shall live in infamy. But as Minnesotans, we have an additional historic connection. You may not know it, but Minnesotans fired the first American shots in the Pacific Theater of World War II. As war approached, our brave Minnesotans shipped off and became the unit aboard the USS Ward, a World War I-era destroyer. A little more than two hours before the attack on Pearl, the Ward was on patrol outside the harbor when they saw a small enemy submarine following a supply ship. At 6.45 a.m., the crew fired two shots from her four-inch gun, sinking the sub. For many years, some doubted whether Ward had really sunk that submarine until 2002 when scientists found the enemy vessel on the bottom of the ocean with two four-inch holes through its hull. Today, you can see and touch a piece of our history by visiting the state capitol grounds where the Ward's gun now resides as a monument to the bravery of those who served aboard. Thank you, General Mankey. For more information, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com. So I said at the opening, my co-host in the studio today is Doug Wortham. And Doug, uh, I'm sure you're aware in the state of Minnesota, there's a, a pro- there are programs available to buy specialty license plates to put on your vehicle so you can support the environment, you can support all kinds of causes. But one of them is called Support Our Troops License Plates. And it's a, and it's a way for anyone in Minnesota to, if they want to really support our troops by saying something as they're driving the car and by contributing some extra money, they can do it. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's a great program because that money does come back in to help um, our veterans support our veteran uh, community. So looking forward to having this conversation and see if we can promote the program just a little bit and see if we have some more people that might want to sign up and do that uh, support. Well, we've got two special guests in the studio today to talk to, to us about Support Our Troops License Plate Program. One is Brad Lindsay, who serves as the Deputy Commissioner of Programs and Services at the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. And Don Kerr has served uh, the state of Minnesota since February 2008 as the Executive Director for the Department of Military Affairs. Gentlemen, welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. Thanks, Tom. Great to be here. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate it. Brad, I want to start with you. I understand uh, you're a veteran. Yes, I am. Uh, I'm a veteran of the Regular U.S. Army as well as the U.S. Army Reserve and uh, served in Iraq the first year of the war there. And how long have you been at the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs? Uh, since 1999. <laughs> I've been there a few years then. <laughs> I'm starting to get some seniority, yes, sir. All right. And Mr. Kerr, I know that you spent uh, a long career in the Minnesota National Guard and you kind of hung around. You stayed right there at the uh, at the organization that over, oversees and helps the Minnesota National Guard. Yeah, Tom, it's been a great opportunity. Uh, I've been able to use some of the things that I learned uh, through my military career and hopefully still contributing to the team. Very good, sir. And uh, today we want to talk about support our troops' license plates. And, uh, Mr. Kerr, I understand that uh, the proceeds from the sale of these specialty license plates are divided between your organization, the Department of Military Affairs, and Brad's, the Department of Veterans Affairs. Can you explain to us how all this works? Sure, Tom. So back in 2005, uh, we went forward to the legislature along with the Department of Veterans Affairs, suggesting this as a means of raising money to help support our soldiers, uh, many of whom were running into some financial difficulties during the uh, first phases of the global war on terror. And uh, the legislature accommodated us, and they allowed these 
the specialty plates to support our troops' plates to be sold. And there's a $30 surcharge annually that goes on top of the plate cost. And that $30 is, is uh, distributed 50% of it to the Department of Military Affairs and 50% to the Department of Veterans Affairs. And then we use those money for various things in the two departments that I think we'll probably talk about later in the in the broadcast. Well, we're going to get to that. And, uh, Brad, you are the Deputy Commissioner of the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, and we'd like to hear about the 50% of those funds from the sale of these license plates that come into your organization and, and how you use them. Absolutely. Um, so as Don said, we, we get the 15 of the, the 30, and uh, statute uh, grants us the allowable uses for those funds. Uh, we can give grants to veteran service organizations like the American Legion, Disabled American Veterans, VFW. Uh, we can use them for outreach to underserved veterans. We can use them for providing services and programs for veterans and their families. And then kind of a key thing which came uh, as a later change to the statute is we're allowed to make grants up to $100,000 to any organization uh, approved by the commissioner uh, that has a purpose of supporting and improving the lives of veterans and their families. We're speaking with Brad Lindsay and Don Kerr about the Supporter Troops License Plate Program on Minnesota Military Radio. And, Doug, uh, you've recently retired from the military, and it seems like there's there's a lot of places and opportunities to help our, our military, our service members, our veterans, and their families. And this, this is a, a unique way for the citizens of Minnesota to help. Yeah, it certainly is, and and I'm really interested to know, um, as we're talking through the program here, you know, what kind of things— you can reach that maybe aren't as available to, say, a service member here serving right in Minnesota, whether it's in the National Guard, the Reserve, uh, so that we can just see a little bit more about how that money truly is helping our service members. So, Brad, can you walk us through some of the uh, the grants that you've given out recently? Sure. So, uh, uh, to, to the uh, the point, uh, so it kind of allows us some flexibility uh, in responding to emerging needs of veterans and their families you know, funding for things we may not have specific legislative appropriations for. Um, but it also uh, allows us to utilize these nonprofit organizations that are serving veterans who have a little more flexibility and are uh, sometimes quicker react than government as well. So uh, generally every year we uh, uh, post the availability of the grants uh, being open uh, on our website and through the state uh, request for proposal process. And uh, organizations make application. Those are reviewed. And uh, we, we come to uh, a consensus and the commissioner approves what the final recipients are. Um, so as an example, we've given uh, a couple grants now to the Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe. Um, they are uh, using one right now for uh, homeless veteran financial assistance. Um, we've got a rather unique one now with an organization called Legal Corps, which helps veterans who want to start small businesses. Um, it helps them with their uh, transactional business and patent law services to help them establish those businesses. Um, and then we've done several for outdoor programs as well, like mandatory fun outdoors um, different kinds of hunting, uh, things to get these folks out of the house and to help them address their mental health and keep them connected to their fellow vets as well. So, Brad, um, when you talk about applying online, um, are there just set periods? Is it one application time per year? Um, how, how does that work? How do people know when they can apply for, for these applications? 
Generally, uh, that's true. It, it's either once or twice per year. Um, so we posted on our website, um, it's minnesota.gov slash MDVA, and under a, a header, Benefits and Resources, there's a drop-down for state and federal resources and grants, and there's a link to sign up for notice of when those grants will uh, become available and when they are open for application, because that's only about a 21-day uh, period that they're open every year. So, Brad, this is an opportunity for our listeners uh, to to help support our troops and support some of the organizations we've had on the radio show, such as uh, Fishing for Life. We've had them on Honor Flight Twin Cities. Uh, they go on those honor flights quite often. They're they're shifting from World War II to to uh, Korea and Vietnam now. Every third Saturday, twenty third veteran. Uh, a lot of those organizations are out there helping our veterans and our and our service members and families. And uh, this gives you a way to augment or or help them with their mission. Absolutely. There's there's many uh, good organizations providing a lot of good services that are needed. Um, you know, we have a uh, process that includes the United States Department of Veterans Affairs, the County Veterans Service Officers Association, the Minnesota Task Commanders Task Force. All of those review the grants as well uh, because we feel they're tapped into the needs of veterans and are best in selecting uh, uh, organizations that provide for those needs. And is it safe to assume then that uh, for our listening audience, those that do donate and buy the special plates uh, – they they are assured that the money is being used wisely to support the uh, the veteran and service member community based on the application process and the screening criteria. Absolutely, we uh, we make an effort to spend all of the money on uh, the purposes that they were given to us each year. Um, we very rarely have more than one year in reserve um, based on the grants we've made and the organizations we've supported with that funding. Very good, gentlemen. We have to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about the Support Our Troops license plate program on Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. My co-host in the studio today is Doug Wortham, and we've been talking about the Support Our Troops license plate program with Brad Lindsay from the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs and Don Kerr from the Minnesota Department of Military Affairs. And Mr. Kerr, I want to come to you. We've we've saw a, a number of things and a number of ways that uh, the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs invests that money from their share of the, of the supporter troops license plates. And, and I know you've got just a little different agenda, but you've got other things that you support under military affairs that are pretty important. Could you explain your side of it, please? Me too. And so uh, as Doug was describing, they, they do a lot of grants to organizations. Our program is fundamentally focused on grants to individual service members and their families. And I want to stress, it's not just members of the National Guard. This is all services, all components. Um, Those individual grants are accessed by going to a family assistance center that the National Guard also operates. But those are their services are also available for all members of all branches, all components uh, in Minnesota. And uh, I think we've even done some grants to folks outside of Minnesota. But um, for the most part... Our agency relies on the Minnesota Military Family Foundation to administer the program for us for those individual grants. So the Minnesota Military Family Foundation is a 501c3 that has set up 100% volunteer. Nobody there takes a salary. There is no overhead, no cost to the program. And basically they do the work that the agency doesn't have to then at determining eligibility for the grants and making the grant disbursement. And so if a service member has a problem or, or while well, they're deployed, their water heater blows up, 
and they don't have the money to fix it, they can go to their family assistance center and the family assistance center will do a referral to the MMFF and they'll make an adjudication of whether they should pay it. And, and typically they pay those grants, not directly to the individuals, but to the vendors who are providing the service back. So if somebody comes and replaces my water heater, I don't see the money. It goes directly to the vendor. And we think that's a good way to do business. It keeps everything clean. And it really is a huge advantage for the agency because we don't have to administer all that stuff. We rely on Minnesota Military Family Foundation to do that. So most of our money goes to pass-through grants to the MMFF that then go to the individuals. And we get a report from them annually and audit them and and work very closely with the leadership over there. And it's been a really nice, uh, while we think it's mutually beneficial, um, hopefully they think the same thing, but it's been a great relationship with MMFF for all these years. But that doesn't use all the money that's been allocated to us. It, it's uh, a fair amount of it. And so we do some grant making similar to what the Department of Veterans Affairs does. And we do some things like we uh, do provide some money to National Guard Youth Camp to help defray the cost for some of uh, the children or our, our service members uh, attending youth camp. Uh, we've also done grants to the servicemen center at the airport to help them buy new furniture and in some cases provide some food uh, for service members passing through the airport and uh, a number of other organizations that uh, that receive grant funding. And, of course, I should add on the Minnesota Military Family Foundation, a portion of the grants they give out is supported by SOT up to a certain level, and then their fundraising pays for anything in excess of that. And uh, we were talking about this before the show today, but for one reason or another, this year is uh, uh, double the dollars of grants of any other year since 2004 for the MMFF, and we don't know exactly why. Uh, but we think it has to do with maybe some of your troops are waiting a little bit longer and getting in a little more trouble before they ask for help because they're proud and they don't want to ask for help. But it's been a great year and a great partnership between uh, uh, the Department of Military Affairs and the SOT money and, of course, the Minnesota Military Family Foundation that is uh, is proud and happy to be part of that. Yeah, Tom, that's a great aspect to mention. That's something that, that our partnership with MMFF really allows and the fact that they do their, their own private fundraising uh, the law in Minnesota that allows this to happen also stipulates a maximum uh, benefit per individual per year of $4,000. And so if a service member or their family had a requirement in excess of that previously or without the MMFF, they'd just have to figure it out. But typically what happens now is MMF uses a portion of the funds that they raise to then make up the difference to get to the full grant amount for the individual. So that that's really beneficial for our service members and our families. Um, we, we've done a couple other things. We actually do have... A couple of full-time employees that we fund out of this, the, the proceeds of this to provide services that are required by the federal government but not funded by the federal government, specifically licensed alcohol and drug coordinators. Uh, when our service members run into a problem with alcohol and drug use, uh, the Army regulation requires that we provide them referral for treatment but doesn't fund uh, the infrastructure to do that. And so the Adjutant General a few years ago made the decision to put a couple of people on uh, to help manage that process, and that's really been helpful uh, because a lot of times we're able to retain service members that otherwise wouldn't be retainable because we've been able to help them get treatment. And, you know, from a very selfish perspective, protects our investment in those service members. And we spend a lot of money to train service members. And uh, if we can figure out how to rehabilitate them and keep them in service, that that's really a good thing for us and the taxpayers. Uh, we're, sp- we're speaking today about the Supporter Troops license plate program on Minnesota Military Radio. And, Mr. Kerr, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, add that uh, 
Minnesota Military Radio benefits from this because uh, it costs a lot of money to create and archive all of the shows. And we go on the road once in a while and, and do these shows, and people like us that come out. And we've done that for the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs quite often with the county veteran service officers and go down to the state fair and everywhere else. And there's some expense uh, involved there, and and uh, we're fortunate. Uh, Minnesota Military Radio also is a 501c3 nonprofit and has no income, but uh, we get some, a little bit of grant money from the Minnesota Department of Military Affairs so that we can continue to expand the network of 65 stations and, and continue to provide the show and talk about uh, everything that the military is doing in Minnesota, programs and services and cemeteries from MDVA and Minnesota VA. I mean, we've really expanded this, and, and this is a key part of that program. Well, yes, Tom, and we think it's a good investment on our part because uh, the minimal cost that we pay for a little bit of travel uh, for your staff to get them to the places where they need to broadcast from and a little bit of equipment, uh, we think those are very good investments and are are truly providing service to the veterans in Minnesota uh, because we wouldn't have the radio show without it. So that's an important thing. Brad, uh, we've just got a few minutes left here. Seems that uh, selling these supporter troops license plates is pretty important and is benefiting a lot of organizations and a lot of people in Minnesota. Absolutely. Uh, we, we absolutely couldn't do it without these additional funds. There's a lot of these uh, smaller nonprofits, especially startups, who wouldn't even be able to get started without these funds. So um, it's quite beneficial. And uh, Don, uh, here in Minnesota, it seems like we're we're leading in everything from the Yellow Ribbon Program to organizations supporting our troops and their families and talking about it and having people you know on the radio. Uh, Minnesotans want to help and they want to give back, and, and this is one way that they can show their support and contribute financially. That That's right, Tom. And, and so over the life of the program, we, we got our first grant disbursement from the Department of Transportation in uh, 2006, uh, in the summer of 2006, and the uh, as of the 30th of June, which was the end of the state fiscal year, uh, we had, had received uh, $8 million dollars. Uh, on the DMA side and an additional $8 million on the DVA side. And and of our $8 million, there's only 400000 sitting in the bank at that time. In fact, that's down from that. So we're uh, we're pretty big about turning that money around, as uh, as Doug stated earlier. Um, and and while it does a lot of things here in Minnesota that, that simply wouldn't happen if it were not for the generosity of the people of Minnesota to have the privilege of wearing that supporter troops plate on your car. It's a beautiful plate. And so if I wanted to uh, get that plate onto my car, uh, Brad, can you tell me what do I need to do uh, when it comes time for renewing my license plates? What, how does that work? Uh, easiest thing is go to your local uh, driver and vehicle services, and uh, you know they've got examples and samples. You can take a look at one and fill out the paperwork and pay your extra 30 bucks, and you're all set. So $30 for an investment, uh, the, it, it's an annual fee if you continue to re- renew the plates. Yes. But uh, just real quick, I was looking through the list of things that are being supported by the Department of Veterans Affairs, and these are some great, great organizations and great benefits and, and resources available to, uh, to our service members. So the money's being spent wisely, which is great to see. And, Brad, uh, one of the organizations that were in there we didn't mention was Lutheran Social Services, and they provide some financial counseling that's uh, pretty important to a lot of our folks here in Minnesota. They do a lot of great things for us. Uh, One thing with them is they are a statewide organization, so they're really out there in the local communities where the veterans live being able to provide those services. So they're, they're a major player, and we're happy to support them. 
Brad, thanks for joining us today. And Don, mm-hmm. we've got about 30 seconds left. Any final thoughts on these, on this license plate program? No, I, you know, it's, it's a really important thing for our service members and their families. Again, it, it's all services, all components and um, really a good program. And we hope people will continue to support it. Really good looking license plate, nice red, white, and blue Eagle motif. You know, if it goes with the color scheme in your car, that alone should put you over the top. It's worth 30 <laughs> bucks a year just for that. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us today. That Thank was you. Brad Lindsay from the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs and Don Kerr from the Minnesota Department of Military Affairs talking about the Support Our Troops license plate program. Buy yours today. When we come back, we're going to talk to an expert on how to document your any military claims with the with the VA. Please stay with us. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. My co-host in the studio today is Doug Wortham. In a moment, we're going to talk to an expert about documenting files for VA claims. But first, it's time for the Commissioner's Corner, a weekly update from the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. Now here's Commissioner Larry Herkey. As the holidays approach, you may find yourself asking what you can do to support Minnesota military members, veterans, and their families. One way that you can show your support is by purchasing a Support Our Troops license plate. These license plates are special because they are a gift that will continue to give year after year. Drive home your support for Minnesota military members, veterans, and their families by purchasing a Support Our Troops license plate for your car or motorcycle. The Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, together with the Minnesota Department of Military Affairs, We'll use your annual minimum contribution of $30 for the betterment of military families and homeless and underserved veterans around the state. To purchase these Support Our Troops license plates, visit your local DMV. Drive home your support this holiday season. Thank you, Commissioner Herkey. For more information, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com. Doug, uh, as a recently retired uh, state command sergeant major, you and a lot of your troops who have retired, when they go go through out processing and go through the retirement, one of the things they have to make sure is their military that their medical records from the time they were in the military are properly documented in case there's issues. How important is that for for you and for all the troops that you took care of for all those years yeah that that's a a great question and extremely important and and I would just offer this piece of advice uh, speaking from personal experience uh, don't wait until the uh, time you're going to retire or leave service to start putting everything together uh, because it's a daunting task. And uh, we want to make sure that our service members are taken care of um, when they leave the service. And the best way they can do that is to have all that documentation at hand. So when they go through that out-processing part of uh, leaving the service, they can provide the information and then the correct assessments can be made on what uh, benefits they might be entitled to based on uh, their service. So extremely important. And we're going to discuss that in depth because our special guest now is Dr. Patrick Cronin. He's owned and managed the Behavioral Health Clinic for uh, approximately 40 years. He is a licensed psychologist and he spent a lot of time helping veterans. Dr. Cronin, welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. Thank you so much. Sir, could you tell us, uh, you've been you've been helping people for decades. Uh, could you tell us about uh, your background, you are a licensed psychologist, but uh, as I read through your bio, you've been kind of busy. I have been. Thank you. And I want to, first of all, thank you for inviting me here and for all the good work that you and your colleagues do for the veterans. Um, my background essentially uh, has been in mental health. Um, I've operated a freestanding mental health clinic for over 40 years. We provide a variety of services, including 
psychological assessment, uh, chemical assessments, medication management, and treatment. Uh, in the last, oh, maybe six, seven years, we've been asked to uh, expand our evaluation services for the veterans. Uh, veterans applying for uh, compensation go through a pretty standard procedure, starting with what's called the compensation and pension evaluation, what we call the nexus evaluation, in which the veteran has to uh, prove the burden of proof is on the veteran, not on the VA. And they have to prove that their uh, injury exists and that it's service-connected. And that a key in all of veterans' evaluations ratings is employability. So it gets to be, um, which is why the veteran service officer uh, is crucial in the game. They're the quarterback. Uh, I'm just the wide receiver or the running back. So, Doctor, I want to back up for just a moment for all of our listeners out there that happen to be veterans. If you've got a medical issue of some type that happened while you were in the service, you go to your county veteran service officer. They'll help you file a claim. Yes. But once that claim is filed, then you've got to make sure it's properly documented so that you have a chance to uh, for the VA to approve uh, any benefits that you might have there. And and Doug, I think the VA claims people they've had a history. They were way behind on the claims and. And uh, some veterans uh, think that they're problematic. Yeah, for sure. And I and I think that uh, they've really, you know, gotten that in, into grips, you know, through other conversations we've had with the VA. I think they've uh, come a long ways. And, and I just want to come back to the doctor real quick. You know, we talk about uh, the importance, as Tom did in the very beginning, asked me the question about importance of documentation. And then you're talking about the process of providing claims and the burden of proof. So... As the veteran uh, puts their information together and they're going to make this application, uh, claims inevitably will get denied, uh, which, you know, maybe I don't feel as though that's fair. Is it because of the lack of documentation or what? why are generally claims denied when maybe they should have otherwise been approved? That's an excellent and a complex question. I'll try to give a, a, a real straightforward answer to it. The biggest reason that I see that claims are denied is that the VA is always looking, and rightfully so, uh, watching um, the cost, watching the pocketbook, watching for fraud, but looking for something, as I said, the burden of proof is on the veteran. And uh, ultimately, when claims are denied that are legitimate, it's because Something wasn't documented thoroughly enough. So to say, for example, uh, Veteran Jones uh, doesn't get along well. So therefore, uh, he has social anxiety and should uh, make a claim and should be receiving benefits. That isn't necessarily good enough. One of the things that I just uh, did a presentation for for the state of Wisconsin VSOs uh, according to the United States Court of Appeals in April of 2018, uh, they have just overridden uh, the VA on chronic pain. How many veterans do you think that are out there with physical injuries that don't have a pain problem? 
Now, historically, the VA has said, no, pain is not related. You got it, but it's not, it's not compensable. Now, according uh, to the Melba Sanders decision, the United States Court of Appeals, uh, pain is compensable. But the Court of Appeals went on to say, but it also has to include anxiety and depression. It has to have an emotional component. Well, you go to your family doctor, family doctor is not qualified, maybe a nice person, but not qualified to render an opinion on the mental. Psychiatry, psychology, mm-hmm, but not the family doctor. So you go to your family doctor and get them to attest to this. The VA says, you're not qualified. Now, I don't have a bone to pick with the VA other than the fact that, remember, it's a system where they are the judge, jury, executioner, and court of appeals. Uh, And they do not have to prove anything. The veteran has to prove something. And on a side note, let me say that in the thousands of veterans' evaluations that I've done, one of the biggest problems that I have is convincing he or she, with their distinguished military record and everything they've done, that a mental claim is not an admission of weakness. And there are many factors that come about, but it is not does not mean that you are less of a person, much less less of a soldier. Now, if we can get past that, uh, we get to the whole beyond causation. When I say you have an obligation, you have an obligation to mitigate your damage. In other words, you need to seek treatment. It's not just good enough to say, I got the problem and apply. So, Doctor, I'm, I'm hearing you say that uh, in order to help the veterans uh, proceed with the claim and document it properly, you need an expert that understands the system, understands the words that the VA recognizes, and, and to document it and get the treatment for it and prove to the VA that this was related to something that happened during their military service. Correct. The more comprehensive your uh, application is, the more likely it is to be approved. Doctor, we have to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk more with Dr. Patrick Cronin about filing claims with the VA for uh, medical problems that uh, veterans might have experienced during their military service. This is Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. My co-host in the studio is Doug Wortham. We've been speaking with Dr. Patrick Cronin, who is the who owns the primary Behavioral Health Clinics, Inc., He's a licensed psychologist, and he's been doing things to help veterans for a long, long time. And, Doctor, we've been talking about how to file claims with your county veteran service officer and how to properly document them and, and the, that you have to go through the, the medical portion to prove that you've got a problem and and put it all in terms that the VA understands when you submit a claim because the VA claim people are pretty good at saying no if it's not properly documented. Now, one of the things that, that I've heard talked about since Vietnam is used to be uh, uh, in World War II, which is combat fatigue, but it's uh, PTSD and depression. And those, and those words keep coming back to every generation. What is PTSD? PTSD goes back to Civil War times. Uh, it's been called shell shock, battle fatigue, uh, 
PTSD stands for post-traumatic stress disorder. And what that means diagnostically uh, is that you have experienced directly a trauma. Now, a trauma is not breaking a fingernail. Uh, A trauma is getting shot, getting hit, getting uh, assaulted, could be any number of things that are beyond the normal scope of day-to-day activities. Taking care of other troops that were shot and and bleeding and problems. Driving down the road in a Humvee, uh, the HIED goes off, and uh, your partner sitting next to you uh, is dead, uh, and you don't have a scratch on you. My father was an ambulance driver in WW1, and on the last day of the war, uh, his partner in the ambulance got hit by a sniper and killed. My father was never injured. Is that PTSD? Absolutely. Uh, Also, if you witness, like standing uh, uh, in in battle and and watching a bomb go off, and watching or watching a helicopter get shot down. Uh, well, it didn't happen to you, but you witnessed it. So these are things that haunt you and come yes. back to you over and over again. Yes, and these are the diagnostic criteria. And the last one is finding out. You're sitting at home watching television, and you get a phone call, and you find out that your family's been killed in a car accident. Well, you weren't there. It didn't happen to you directly, but it's still a trauma. And we can all imagine how traumatic that would be. Exactly. Um, Very difficult to prove for the VA. One of the problems in my area is that unlike a missing limb uh, or a a penetrating gunshot wound, it's very difficult to show uh, to date. We don't have medical tests that show changes in the blood chemistry, for example, that says, oh, you have depression. We don't have that. So a lot of it is based on their history and then how are they doing and self-report. Doctor, a quick question for you. A lot of my generation, Vietnam veterans, made it through, came back home, went to school, got married, had a career. Now they're retired. Time on their hands. The old demons are coming back to them. They're thinking about all those experiences in, in war in Vietnam. That can be, I would think, PTSD, or maybe just they're depressed about the fact that that's still out there and they they suppressed it for so long. Many of these conditions co-occur, and many of them rise and fall in terms of intensity. So what may be mild PTSD with mild depression, then what you're describing there could push someone over the edge depression-wise, or maybe anxiety creeps in. And then we have social anxiety. You can't leave the house. So it is not as simple as, as doing a test, say, for diabetes. But help is available for these mental conditions. The VA is outstanding uh, in a number of places for dealing with veterans with these problems. Uh, they're also outstanding in a number of private clinics in dealing with these problems. So, Doctor, if uh, we have some of our listening audience out there right now who are wondering how to kind of navigate that care, uh, they've never sought treatment before, and, and they want to go and do something because they realize they probably need to get some help, what, what is it that you would recommend that they would do to navigate that care? 
Well, depending on where they live and what sort of resources they have available, uh, of course, the first thing they can do is call the VA. There's also the vet centers, uh, which are just excellent. Or you have private clinics like mine, Primary Behavior Health Clinic. Uh, Pick up the phone and call us. Calling us simply means we're connecting and we'll listen, and then we'll decide if we can help you or where we could send you. Start the process, and you've seen it before, so you so you know how to recognize it. Things don't get better without taking the first step. Good point, Doctor. Dr. Cronin, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to come to the studio today and visit with us on Minnesota Military Radio. It's been a pleasure to meet you and talk to you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate uh, the insight that you have. And, and again, seek the care. It is not a sign of weakness. Get the help that you need. Amen. That was Dr. Patrick Cronin from the Primary Behavioral Health Clinics on Minnesota Military Radio. Joining me now from the flag line of the Minnesota Patriot Guard is Tim Leonhardt. Tim, welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. Well, thank you, Tom. It's always an honor. Tim, uh, we're getting to this, the time of year where, unfortunately, you had to put your motorcycle away and uh, get in your cage. And this past week, uh, that is an example of that, we had a great big snowstorm. Uh, I'm wondering, uh, when you get uh, 8, 9 inches, 10 inches of snow, uh, funerals don't get canceled. What do the no. Patriot Guard riders do? We bundle up, we put on our boots, put on a nice warm hat, get some warm gloves, and we drive our cages and go go to the funerals anyway. We, we, we're there to honor them. The soldier that we lost, the hero that we lost, put up a w- way more than just a snowstorm for our freedoms and our and our and our everything we have today so you and your riders bundle up get in your four-wheel drives get over there safely and show up and make sure that we bring uh, those three words for those veterans yep honor dignity and respect very good sir i figured you were uh, just like the mailman even maybe even tougher you show up every time yeah well we we owe we owe our heroes a lot. Tim, uh, who's eligible to become a Patriot Guard writer? Anybody. You just need a, a heart that knows uh, who to appreciate and a 3 by 5 flag. And uh, where do they go to sign up? If you go to our webpage at mnpatriotguard.org and sign uh, on the left side, it says uh, join the, the Patriot Guard. Now, the Patriot Guard has the state divided up into kind of different sections, right? Yes. We have 20 different sections in the in the state. And if you put in your zip code, it'll assign you to a section, and your uh, a ride captain will uh, be the guy that's in charge of your section, and he'll send out emails and events that's coming up. We have a web page that you can go and look at the calendars. Uh, we have all kinds of communications. And we only use your email address for Minnesota Patriot Guard um, affairs. We don't sell it. We don't use it for anything else. And you only go to the funerals of veterans when you've been invited. Yes, that's very important. So the family needs to go to the website and and ask the Patriot Guard writers to come to the funeral before anything can happen. Yes, we won't just show up. That's 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 just not right. Tim, we're coming up on the holidays, and I think the Patriot Guard here in Minnesota has participated with a, an outfit called Reese Across America. Yes. Is that coming up this year? It is, December 17th. And what happens on that day? On that day, we lay uh, 
at Fort Snelling, we lay thousands of wreaths with many other groups, and and, and we sponsor some. We have some uh, soldiers that didn't have family that we stood for, and we bought wreaths to put on their their tombstones. Uh, we have the the three state um, cemeteries at Duluth, Preston, and Little Falls that we also uh, help uh, lay wreaths. And um, December seventeenth, a busy, busy day for all of us, and we just it's just showing the honor, honor, dignity, and respect for all those soldiers that are buried at the cemeteries. So the Minnesota Patriot Guard is looking for contributions and more important volunteers to put all those wreaths out. Yep. Yeah. So you go to our webpage. Um, there's a there's a whole write up on the on the wreaths across America, how to donate and how to help and things like that. So if you go to our our webpage and give us and, that uh, page once again, Tim. Yep. MNPatriotGuard.org. Great, and we hope lots of our listeners uh, go to that page, contribute to wreaths across America via the Patriot Guard, and show up to help. Yes. Tim, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Tom. That was Tim Leonhardt from the flag line of the Minnesota Patriot Guard. We're just about out of time. Thanks for listening to this edition of Minnesota Military Radio. I'd like to thank our guests for joining us this week, Brad Lindsay, Don Kerr, Dr. Patrick Cronin, Tim Leonhardt from the flag line of the Minnesota Patriot Guard, Commissioner Larry Herkey of the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, and finally, Minnesota's Adjutant General, Major General Sean Mankey. Please join us next week as we learn more about the PACT Act and check in with the Minnesota National Guard Family Programs. That's coming up next weekend on this station or online anytime at minnesotamilitaryradio.com. I'm Tom Lyons, and I hope that you make a difference in someone's life this week. Minnesota Military Radio is a production of iHeartMedia, the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, the Minneapolis VA, Beyond the Yellow Ribbon, and the Minnesota National Guard. Your host is Tom Lyons, founder and owner of Phelan Partners Limited, a merger and acquisition advisory firm. Tom is a life member of the American Legion, VFW, Vietnam Veterans of America, and the DAV. For podcasts and the latest updates, follow us at minnesotamilitaryradio.com.